fundraisers, I'm Don Lego, and it's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. So let's get going. I am so excited to introduce my co-host, Mr. Benjamin Farrell, who is going to take us through the next 30 minutes in a very exciting and animated and passionate way. Hey, Ben, how are you doing? You with me today? Oh, absolutely. And you know that I'm fired up because we never, never tire of talking about fundraising, learning the tips and tricks, what's working and uh, equally important, what's not working out there so that we can all move forward in our fundraising. And as a fundraising auctioneer, I love, love, love picking up all the tips from our experts joining us today. And we've got two more great guests lined up today, don't we? We sure do. I'm super excited to talk to them. One of them is on vacation, so we really appreciate them joining us. But please welcome Chessie Hayes and Cool Man Nick Kulik. Um, we have them both <laughs> here to share their story. They're going to be speaking at Rays tomorrow, um, day two of Rays at 1 o'clock p.m. But I want them to introduce themselves. So Chessie, Nick, hello. And why don't we do ladies first, if you don't mind. Chessie, why don't you introduce our Rays Nation audience so that they can get to introduce yourself so they can get to know you better. Sounds fantastic. So my name is Chessie Hayes, and currently I'm the director of development at a local nonprofit in Memphis, Tennessee called Meriton. Um, just a little background information about where I work, Meriton. Uh, the name comes of being good merit and of being good Samaritan. So if you look on our website, um, please take a look at our organization because we do several different types of programs of all ages. Our mission is to improve well-being and promote independence throughout all life stages with quality and compassion. Um, I love the fundraising world. Um, I got into fundraising. Um, mine's a little different story than Nick's of how we got into fundraising and how it came out to be. Uh, I was actually wanting to be a physician assistant growing up. I wanted to be in the medical field. Um, luckily, I married my husband to the medical field, so we kind of have that same interest. Um, I started shadowing and I was at this specific shadowing in Bartlett, Tennessee. I remember the specific office. And as soon as I after one day, I said, I can't do this. I cannot do this for the rest of my life. Um, so my mother and I um, looked at my resume and really saw what my underlying passions were. And it came out to be that I had several different internships all throughout college that were in fundraising. I fundraised. I had a fundraising internship with their development team at the Make-A-Wish Foundation of the Mid-South a couple of times, uh, an organization called Cheer for the Kids, uh, Alzheimer's and Dementia Services, Grizzlies Foundation. And I've just had this underlying work of raising money. And my mother said, you can make this a career if you want it to be. And so I got my Mom master's degree. <laughs> yes, mama knows best. Um, and so then I got my degree, uh, my master's degree in public administration with a concentration in nonprofit from the University of Memphis and really, really dug deep into the research and trends, just all of the education of what it means to be a fundraiser and everything with regards to resource development. And ever since then, then I got hired on Ameritan and I've been there for almost six years. And I just love being a fundraiser. You know, one of my mottos is, is never a no, it's just a not yet. 
And so I, I love helping that. find, yeah, I love just seeing donors, whether even as I get donors who contact me all the time and they just ask, I want to help a nonprofit with this type of mission. And I help if it does not benefit my organization, I just love seeing donors faces about their return on investment because fundraising, it's similar to sales. Instead of just having a tangible product on hand that you're selling, you're really selling that mission and being a storyteller. Oh my gosh, uh, that, uh, mic drop that. That's like could be the end of the episode. We got so many things <laughs> out of your introduction. I love that. But we also want to give the gentleman room a little chance. So Nick, can you go ahead and introduce yourself and let Raise Nation Radio know all about Nick Kulik? Yeah, Don, thank you. Well, that was a great introduction by Chessie. So I don't know how I'm going to match that. Uh, but <laughs> So Nick Kulik, I am the Chief Donor Engagement Officer for the Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation in Ohio. Uh, Jesse had mentioned that we had a little difference of background. I actually came into fundraising right out of college, so I've been doing this for about a dozen years now. And it's been a really interesting experience because being a young professional and working in the field, and then also just trying to understand how I'm engaging my own generation, then also engaging other generations has been huge, right? Uh, I think one of the interesting things about our field is it's so dynamic. There's so much you can do. You can work in different industries. And I've had the great fortune of being a nonprofit, healthcare, and higher education. So I've seen some really interesting outcomes from different groups. Uh, Chelsea and I have gotten involved in some presentations together because we're both really excited about the next generation of philanthropy. We're involved in some young professional groups together and we've really found a way to talk about how young professionals can both impact philanthropy on the staff side, but also on the giving side. Because I think both of us would agree, we think everyone's a philanthropist. You don't have to be a multimillionaire to be a philanthropist. You can be one at any stage in your life. So really looking forward to this conversation and talking a little bit more about that next generation of givers and philanthropists. Oh, Nick, let me tell you, you are speaking the language everybody wants to be uh, speaking right now, because every charity that I've helped with, one question that comes up uh, every single year is, how do we engage the next generation of supporters? It is top priority, top of mind. And we all know that we have to diversify that donor base. And uh, boy, everyone needs to be included. So I cannot wait to hear what you all have to say about that. <laughs> and I'm sure the fearless fundraisers are also standing by uh, eager to hear. Don, what do you think? I mean, is this exciting or what? Gee, Ben, why don't you just go right in for the gusto there? Because, but absolutely, for sure. I mean, I think everybody's, you know, eyebrows are raised and ears are perked because how do we do that? How do we evolve and engage? You know, it, it's a completely different profile with technology and communication with the younger um, and new and upcoming philanthropists. But I love the fact that you both feel that there's there's a bright future. So tell us why you think that and, and how do we go about building that donor database and, and future-proofing it, if you will, for years to come by engaging the, the, the new generations? Well, Nick, I'll start. Um, I was, you know, Nick and I have done this presentation and we absolutely love it because our passion is, again, with the young professionals, only on the employee side, but also on the, the actual giving side. And for me, I am a donor as well. I give to my current organization that I currently work for because I just see all the positive impact that it makes. I um, mean, when Nick and I were conducting this presentation and reviewing the research, um, a study was back done, I believe it was in 2013. And of the millennial age group, 60% give to philanthropy 
but you have your baby boomers and matures who give more than 75% um, of their population. So that just, op- there's opportunity right there in itself, especially with your major gift pipeline. We're also going to be um, the largest living population um, of over 70, I think it was 71 million. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, so, so when Nick and I were really boiling down to how the ways that we've engaged millennials, being a millennial ourselves, you know, there is that stereotype that we're all tech savvy and, and everything, but you really have to dig down to when you're looking at a millennial and the stereotypes of a millennial, really how the millennials, when you look at that age bracket, what impacted our lives? For example, 9-11 truly impacted our lives being, you know, I was, you know, we talked about this, the anniversary of 20 years ago, that was a major life event for us. The recession in 08, that truly affected us. Student loans, we are really waiting to give specifically to an organization of our choosing and making that impact on that one organization because we're trying to find the passions that we are so, you know, and so invested in because student loans are a part of our lives, unfortunately, and it's been on almost a drag to our generation as well. So, and think about the increase of technology. My husband was talking about this the other day. We're the one generation that grew up with no cell phones that grew up to one of the Nokia cell phones that you played snake on, which was my favorite games. And yeah. then now we have smartphones that do everything for us. And so that's, that's how we grew up to be baby boomers and matures you know, they, they're starting to still learn the technology and the next generation behind us with my sweet daughter, who's five months old yesterday and did her sweet oh. first belly laugh on the beach. I was so, oh, my heart melted, oh. but she's going to grow up with a smartphone. And so really, you know, when you're looking at these donors, don't just think of a millennial as, oh, tech savvy millennial. Think about all the life events that millennials came out to be, and then you'll truly understand what your donor's interests are in their history. And when you do that, you're going to get a better impact on your giving. Nick, do you want to explain a little bit more about that too? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things for the millennial generation is that we've been getting this wrap of it's the me, me, me generation. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> people remember the Time Magazine photo of the gal with the cell phone. It's all about sure. And so, you know, we've gotten this wrap of just I feel like 10 years of just articles, Forbes articles, New York Times articles, all these different places of how the millennials are ruining stuff. You know, it's funny. I did a presentation and I Googled millennials are. And one of the things that came up was killing the napkin industry, which I had no idea we were. Um, I have a six. Shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. (laughs) If you were at my household, we would be buying a ton of stock in napkin companies because we use a ton. But uh, it's interesting how these different views of millennials have come out. And in reality, when we look at it from, from a philanthropic perspective, you know, it's not necessarily true. You know, I think where we have really kind of changed the way we look at things comes into our turn on most of the generations previous to us have been really invested in institutions, big groups who have been doing big impact. And we're the generation who really kind of came out and said, we are interested in social impact, not institutions. There's this great report that we'll be talking about in our uh, presentation tomorrow called the Millennial Impact Report. Did a 10-year study of millennials. And there's stuff in there like that that really shows that don't go out and talk to millennials about how you can help this university, this large institution, these other groups, help them be successful. It's talk to them about how they can have an impact through your organization to help people. And that's really the difference of marketing that I think a lot of people are just holding on to the old 
we're great. We'll tell people we're great and people will give. It's no, we need to know if we're going to invest money, even though our money might be, not be as large as other generations, we want to know what the impact's coming from, from that $100 gift, $200 gift, you know, $50 gift, because that's what we're interested in. To us, giving is activism. Giving is doing action. And so there's a lot of thought and a lot of personal values that comes into the work that, that we do philanthropically. Not to say that our generations don't feel that way, but that's really something that's come out of these reports and these studies on how you got to meet millennials there, not try to convince them just to give generally to what you're doing. Show the impact. Not the transaction. You know, I, I tell a story. I'm going to go to my my uh, a little story about my father and dad. If you're out there listening, I love you very, very much. <laughs> you're, the, you're my everything. But my my dad is so transactional with his giving. He really he really, truly is. And it drives my mom crazy. So, mom, I got your back here. Um, but he just, you know, he has, you know, six or seven, maybe even eight different organizations that he'll give to. And he gives the same amount. And every year he writes out his checks. And, you know, he was driving my mom crazy. So I asked him, Dad, you know, what are you doing? And he has no idea, really. He has no idea the organizations that he's giving to, their why, where the money's going, what the impact is. And where where the social change, it's just this is what he did. It's what he always does. And it's very, very transactional. And so I think it's a good thing that millennials and generations to come they're they're just being a little bit smarter, like, OK, sure, I'll part with one hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. But tell me where my money is what it's doing, where it's going, what, what, what change are we affecting and, and getting very aligned and one with the organization. So I really think that's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. You know, I mean, no disrespect for my dad because I appreciate his, you know, generosity and his, you know, charitable efforts, but he has really no idea who he's donating to and why. And I think that with that, what you're saying, Nick and Chessie is that the future generations, they just, they just, they're, they're living their why, right. They just want to live their why. And, and that, that's a good thing. So if to meet them where they are, well, Dawn, and I would just add, I mean, even in a more recent example, think about the evolution of peer-to-peer fundraising. When peer-to-peer fundraising started, even in social media, you can go even farther back into like letter campaigns where people would write letters to the people they knew. It was very transactional, right? It was a one-way stream of giving information. And so people would say, and we'll use a more modern with social media, I'm raising money for X, give to my campaign, right? And that worked for a while, but then it seemed to kind of teeter off a little bit. But now when you look at it, companies and organizations are doing really well are taking the next step of saying, give to the organization. And when they give, they send a link, they send a video, they send something that says, thank you. This is the person or group that you're impacting because of your gift. And I think that's the real shift here with the millennial generation is that there's a lot more put into, don't just give me $10 because I'm doing a birthday fundraiser give me $10 to help this student, this animal, this cause, mm. and then show you the actual impact. And exactly to your point with your, with your dad, mm. it used to work that you could just say, here, just give me the money, trust us to do good. And we're right, exactly. saying, no, we're going to figure out if you really are doing good. 
Well, knowing this information uh, for the fundraisers who are listening in, of course, the first step is is finding that group of millennials to communicate with and then learning from them the right communication tool or sharing that impact. So say someone's representing a a charity, of course, has been doing things uh, the old fashioned way or one way only. What would be a great first step they could take to connect with uh, millennials in their, you know, their donor base, and then find out what those millennials are seeking from them? Is there like a good first step or a good one, two step that they could follow? Well, in our presentation, we'll give you like a little sneak peek into it, because I don't want to give out all the information. Um, But we talk about the three O's in our presentation. One is just offering the opportunity offering motives and incentives and online. Those are our three O's. And it really breaks down how you can attract millennials into your donor base. Um, Specifically, Nick talked about activism and you just see everything with the media, just media in general and social media, how it came out to be. And that's how millennials get invested in your nonprofit. Um, organization or agency that you may work for. So that would be a place to start just to see it, you know, when you're online, is your webpage mobile friendly? Is your landing page mobile friendly? Or does a donor or, you know, millennials are very, we, you know, I'm a millennial and I call my, I'll call myself to be an impatient person, but when a donation page comes out to be, do I have to use my fingers and scroll on my screen? And it's, you know, just offer a variety of ways to give, you know, whether it's texting to give, or um, if you have an app on your phone and either doing employee giving campaigns, there's so much ways. And you don't just offer, you know, as Nick said, we as millennials want to be involved in the organization more than just that transaction. So um, another way is offering that opportunity. So offering ways to volunteer. Uh, at Meriton, we um, unfortunately, our, a lot of our programs are, you know, have protections like foster care. And we are trying to come up with ways for our donors to be more involved since we had those restrictions. And so during the pandemic, we, you know, um, we have uh, we do in-home care and home health. And so I was like, let's write letters to our seniors and get our volunteers involved with writing letters to our seniors. And it was so great. We're still doing it, even though that, you know, that we see the light at the end of the tunnel with this pandemic, hopefully. Our seniors absolutely love it. And so we're just continuing it and our volunteers love it. So offering volunteer opportunities. Uh, I know nonprofit organizations with board members specifically offering, you know, a place on your board and making sure you have diverse age and, you know, demographics within your board. Um, that's a great place to start. Just having one, you know, add one board member that has, who's in the millennial age bracket. Um, or creating a junior advisory board. So that way you're having like a, basically a mentor program and you have your millennials who is, you know, you have a millennial lawyer and you, I know most people have lawyers on their boards, um, have a millennial lawyer and have them pair up with, you know, the current board member, that's a lawyer and they have create that relationship. And then you have a streamline into your board member process and they're already set to go. So you don't have to do that board member training specifically. Um, so those are just offering different ways. Just think about how can I get this millennial involved in my organization? Um, and I say this as an example of when we were really concentrating on this effort. As a director of development, I got involved in going into young professional happy hours. Um, so I saw how Telemi is, um, they call it Carnival in Memphis, for example. Um, it's this organization where they get young professionals involved in giving back to philanthropy. And so I attended one of their happy hours and I met uh, one of the active members named Michael Zapatos. I mean, he is my best friend to this day. He was my bridesman in um, in my wedding. And uh, he is just such a light of fresh air. And he 
showed me how young professionals, how they truly, you know, all of his friends had this group made an impact in Memphis. And so I got him, you know, got a little more about him. I showed him what Meriton and I showed him, you know, specifically with Meriton, all of our different programs and did the seven touch points for a potential donor. And realizing that, you know, he may want to give individually, but he also has um, in Memphis, the best breakfast. If you ever come to Memphis, I know next coming to Memphis soon, Arcade Restaurant, one of the best breakfast places of all time, like national, um, national hotspot. And um, there he's part of this corporate family of, you know, giving back to organizations, especially with marketing benefits for a corporate sponsorship package. So I was like, I'll maybe turn this way and get the family legacy involved rather than just Michael himself. Um, and so now, you know, Arcade has been a sponsor for our annual event for two or three years now. Um, and so just think about different ways that, you know, as yourself and you think of where a young professional may go, um, just think about ways they want to be involved, you know, and I know it's really more difficult in the pandemic, but things are coming out to be with happy hours again, or networking events and luncheons, or, you know, again, being online. So that's a place where I would start is meeting the millennials where they are. At happy hour, that all happened from a happy hour. Yes. All from a happy hour. And it was a great happy hour. (laughs) Sounds like it. Nick, anything to add to that? Yeah, Jesse did a great job. The only thing that I think people should consider when they're reaching out to this generation, you know, it's very important to connect. It's very important to find those ambassadors for you who can bring more millennials into the fold for your organization. The other thing is, though, don't just go at it with one type of strategy. So I know I see a lot of organizations who say, well, we're on Twitter. We must automatically be hitting the young generation. It's like, no, you're not doing enough. Uh, you got to get people involved. So yeah, sure. We will look at your organization. We'll look at your post, but we'll flip by it. Right. And so I think it's really important that you create a multi-stream strategy so that it's getting people involved, having your ambassadors, getting people to a happy hour, putting yourself on social media so that this generation is seeing you three or four different places. And that's just the only thing I'd add to Chessie. She has some great thoughts and comments there. Oh, I love the uh, junior advisory board. I mean, what better way than to have a group of young professionals who are the exact demographic you're trying to target sit at the table with you. So from the beginning, so you can have a strategy that is working. So you're not guessing about what to do. And hey, you boy, make an excellent point about Twitter because I've heard people say, well, you know, we to- we posted something on Twitter last month and we didn't get a lot of traction. <laughs> well, you know, it's not. Uh, and we've talked about this with other <clears throat> fundraising experts here. Um Look, pick your channel that that works for you and then really work that channel. You don't have to be on every channel, um, but pick that channel that works for you. And then also identify those segments you want to connect with and then um, make sure that you are targeting that. So which brings me to our next question for the charities who are listening here. Is there a danger zone? Is there a place where they need to avoid kind of sending that wrong message or sending maybe without the right information? But it seems to be with a lot of marketing, there's always a couple little danger zones that people can slide into. I know one person used to say, you never want to slide into the zone of sameness where you look like everyone else, you sound like everyone else, you need to be unique. And so from the millennial perspective, what are some of those danger zones that our fundraisers can avoid? 
So obviously, you know, peer-to-peer is huge for this generation. And I think what people really need to do if they want to be out of that, I've also zone of sameness. I also heard a zone of indifference, right? And I think if people really want to get out of that zone of indifference, it's connecting with those who connect with others. So influencers are huge, right? And I think not just the influencers we see in in social media, but even your local community. So how are you connecting with those young professional groups and how are you getting yourself out there? Because there's a when you look at our generation, there's a lot of noise, right? We've been seeing a lot of noise for a long time on email, on social media, uh, radio, even back in the day when radio was popular, now uh, ads on podcasts, all that stuff. So we block out noise a lot quicker than other generations because we're just so used to blocking it out. So unless you can really find a way to hook us in with either someone that we know that you want to market to or market with as an ambassador, or find something that just really works, right? Like I joke around that in our local community, there's a great example of a couple of brothers who do some great fundraising that are in our my generation and for a local literacy group. And a couple of years ago, they did a human Sunday, right? Whoever raises the least amount of money between the two would become a human Sunday. Uh, <laughs> this year, they're doing a hot wing competition. Whoever raises the least money has to eat the hottest wings at a local wing place. But see, for us, as though as the young people within the community, we know them and we know their antics very well. So we want to participate. So you have more people that you're bringing into this group. And what's really smart about this group is they're bringing in the demographic because it's a literacy organization. We're all interested in that because our kids are learning to read or reading to learn, depending where they are in their growth. And so it was a great tie-in of that organization to find us both at the peer level at the social media level, and then bring us into something that they know we'd be passionate about. So I would say like, that's a great example of drawing people in. If you can't find that sort of combination, people might just breeze by your organization. So they need to think about those items if they want to be successful in marketing to millennials for fundraising. Yeah. The trifecta there. Yeah, well, Don's daughter is an influencer, you know, so wow, the question is, you know, if you're a charity and uh, you're hearing this and you're saying, I got to get that influencer, let me see, should I try Kim Kardashian? Maybe I can't get on that list, but locally, right, locally. So what's a great way for someone to identify that local influencer in their market? I mean, obviously, without having the millennial on your board yet or the advisory board yet or some, where do you where would they start in trying to identify the right fit? Yeah, I'd say start asking the right questions of people who are already involved with you, right? Who are the young people that they know that are really active in the community? Who are the young people that are really active in young professional activities on many different boards? Uh, Because likely those same individuals are the ones who are posting things on social media or getting people involved in fundraising events, calling people out to do volunteer stuff. And so you just got to go and find those individuals. And to me, it's really not rocket science, right? You're just trying to do what we always do as fundraisers, which is we're connecting a network of people to support an organization. So you're just going about it a slightly different way and looking for those that can help get your brand out there. Chelsea, is there anything you'd add to that? I just almost said mic drop to that. That was beautiful the way you said that. Um, I think the one thing that I would add to that is when, you know, just because I'm on Instagram and Facebook all the time. And when you see influencers, you know, especially, you know, I just see it all the time. I'm like, they have so many followers and, you know, I would just, you know, your danger zone would just be reaching out to that influencer, you know, 
make sure that influencer, you know, look at their history and make sure that they're giving aligns with your organization because you don't want it yes. to be a one-stop shop and wasting up your resources right there. You just want to make sure, you know, you're again, as Nick said, asking the right questions and seeing where else they are involved and make sure that, you know, the relationship can grow and it can benefit both of you as the organization and the individual, um, not necessarily a danger zone, but I was, my mind was just thinking of, you know, brainstorming ideas currently, you know, we use Facebook, I use Instagram and a really underutilized resource is in LinkedIn. Think about when you're on LinkedIn and you get a direct message. I do all the time. Um, from sale from nonprofits, uh, nonprofit tech sales companies. And I get the question all the time, you know, what resources do you use for your fundraising platform? And different CRMs reach out to me. In my mind, switch the channel. And I said, why don't I, as a fundraiser, reach out to CEOs, reach out to those who are head of HR departments and see if I can really maybe target employee giving here and maybe seeing where we can align our, you know, where we can partner. Um, LinkedIn's a great tool. But as nonprofits and fundraisers, the sales kinds of salespeople already have been using that to benefit their organizations. I think it's time for us as nonprofit fundraisers, because many millennials are on LinkedIn. Think about how many people right now are looking for jobs. How many people that are, you know, if they can't find a job right now in this, in, you know, in, unfortunately in this economy and market due to the pandemic, how many who just want to give back and volunteer and just want to find places to where they can make an impact. So, you know, start on LinkedIn if you're, you know, organization who's really thinking about, you know, should we use LinkedIn as a resource? I would most definitely say yes, because sometimes as a millennial, I get frustrated because my Facebook is more my personal outlet, but my LinkedIn is my professional outlet. And my giving, especially when I'm doing employee giving specifically, I like to give back. I I almost link it to my professional side as well. Like there's a healthy balance between the two. Um, So I would suggest, you know, expanding your reach there as well. Oh, great advice. And I can tell you, I've heard more than once um, an individual that say, you know, I was working at a particular company and this company values are not aligned with my personal values. And so I'm choosing not to work here anymore. And so for those of you planning your events, why not, if you are a corporate sponsor and you're participating in an event, why not reach out to your entire employee database to say, we are a company that cares. We are a company that's committed. And we're asking you to come along this journey with us. No pressure to give, uh, not like that, but just join us and you can either volunteer with this organization. You can make a donation to this organization. Certainly they can join and participate um, socially and, and actively to, to help. So that is great, great advice. And uh, I can't believe I'm getting ready to say this, but I think we're getting close to running out of time. I mean, it is just- I mean, I've got a full page of notes over here, writing everything furiously down. I'm ready for my trip to uh, Memphis for a great breakfast. But um, so before we go, though, before we and go. And a good barbecue. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, goes without saying uh, the, the legendary <laughs> barbecue of Memphis. But we do want to give you a chance to say for, for people who are listening in, um, if you could give them one bit of advice, something, uh, whether it's been for the last 19 months or or even before, but one bit of advice that you have found that works for you, that you could share to our listeners, that they could put into action here today, here at Raise, to launch them energized, fully ready, ready to go for fundraising. But um, And you can decide who wants to go first. Nick, maybe you can go first here and just say, what's something you could share with our listeners? Yeah, Ben, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I've used an adage for a while here uh, in my organization, or for a while in my career, actually, that I really believe in fundraising karma. If you do good things, good things will happen. And just because we're in the pandemic and things have been changed and events have gone online, 
you can still do good things and get good results. So don't stop just because we had to pivot and change the way we're doing things. Keep doing what you're doing. Everyone knows what to do to be successful. If you keep on keeping on, good things will happen. Oh, amazing. Jesse, how about you? What's that one dose of inspiration that you want to share with our fearless fundraising community? Again, I'll, I'll bring it back to my mom. <laughs> I mean, my favorite quote growing up is to be the change that you wish to see in the world. And my mother told me that every single day when I was growing Gandhi. up. Yep. I gotta love Gandhi. And so mm-hmm. as a fundraiser, a fearless fundraiser, especially you have to be fearless and especially in today's market, because you're going to get no more than you do. Yes. And it's inevitable, unfortunately, right now with, you know, the resources, the variety of resources that are out there. And so for me, just remember to say no is not yet. Make sure that you're still connecting with your donors, your corporate partners, just check in on them and see how they're doing. Give them different ways that if they cannot give, you know, financially, maybe giving different variety of ways through volunteer, remember offering opportunity, motives, and incentives, giving them different ways that they can be involved. Because for example, if one company can't give to you right now, their employees want to find different ways to be involved. So maybe they can write a letter to a senior. Um, So just think of different ways, be creative, you know, come up with your team. And, you know, this is the time, you know, if you're not able to be on the front lines of the fundraising world, maybe take a step back take that time to reflect, meet with all your programs and really dig down to see your why of your organization, to see what are your needs right now and how your volunteers and donors can help you achieve those needs. Mm. And we just came full circle. We're, I mean, bravo. No, it's not yet. I love that. Bravo. bravo. Be the change you want to see in the world and practice good karma fundraising. Do good things and good things will happen. I'm telling you, I think uh, no truer words have been said. So we thank you so very much for joining us and Fearless Fundraisers. That is unfortunately all the time we have for this episode. I want to thank you all for listening. We hope that you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Certainly like to thank our sponsors, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is the driving is driving excuse me the future of fundraising uh, with easy to use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors be sure to check them out at onecause.com and on behalf of my co-host Don Lego Don thank you very much uh, I am Benjamin Farrell and a huge huge uh, shout out to our guests Nick and Chessie we are just so grateful before we let you go um, let us know how our listeners can connect with each of you to learn more about the great work you're doing Nick, well, I'll let you take it away first. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse's on LinkedIn, right? We, we heard For that. For sure. <laughs> yes, I'm on Facebook. I have a personal and professional um, page on Facebook, um, Instagram, Tessie B. Hayes. Um, my email is just tessiehayes at meriton.org. Um, and if you uh, message me, please feel free to email me. I'm more than happy. I love connecting virtually, you know, coffee virtual meetings on um over Zoom, Google Meets, whatever outlets that, you know, all this technology that we have, and we could connect and brainstorm different ideas and just chat. How about you, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Find me on LinkedIn, uh, Nick Kulik, and uh, feel free to send me a message. Love to connect with anyone who's interested in talking more about millennials or any other topics in the fundraising industry. 
Well, fantastic. And listeners, make sure you check out their session tomorrow to learn more. We want you to have successful fundraising. So grateful, Chessie and Nick, for your help today. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it is until next time that we wish you the most successful fundraising you can have. We thank you for joining us at this Raise Nation Radio. So we encourage you all to stay fearless out there, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. One Cause is the proud sponsor of Raise Nation Radio and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Day in and day out, One Cause puts your cause at the center of everything they do. Let One Cause power your fundraising.